Welcome to Left Out with Adam Grimm and Logan Davis. A weekly show where we discuss all things sports, from the controversial to lighthearted topics around the country. Now let's go to the host. This is Left Out. What's up, sports fans? It's Logan Davis. And I'm Adam Grimm, recording from my penthouse suite. It's January 8th, 2021, and welcome to episode 5. As always, make sure to follow us or subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter as well, at Left Out Official. Today we are back from our hiatus after the holiday season, and we'll be previewing the college football playoff national championship game, NFL wildcard rounds, and talk a little bit about the NBA season that has been getting underway. But first, let's talk about some of the changes that you can expect to see this year from Left Out. Let the game begin. It's time to get this week started with the tip-off. A new year means changes come to the podcast for 2021, and we're hopefully going to improve the listening experience for all of our viewers. First of those changes will be more guests coming to the show. So far, it's just been me and Logan going at it, but we're hoping to bring some more people on. Uh, Hopefully, our first one will be in two weeks. They can bring some new ideas, more entertaining content for all of you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we got some, we got two already scheduled for these next coming weeks. Um, and then the next thing we're going to add is we're going to really focus on more in-depth analysis on each story. And we're actually changing up the main event. So it's going to be more of a debate-centered kind of Adam and I take one side and the other and kind of see, uh, let y'all decide who wins the uh, debate. Yeah, we wanted to just instead of trying to graze over all the sports topics around the country, we wanted to look a little bit more in-depth about the big topics that are happening. And then also another thing will be smoother transitions between our segments. Uh, We're looking to just slide on through this show, not make it as choppy as it has been in the past, and just really get through it all nice and smooth like the professionals. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, we just want to make the experience for all of our listeners out there more enjoyable and allow us to have more fun on the show. And that wraps up the tip-off. Adam now with the sports news. Big news, sports fans. Let's talk about the sports news from around the country. Yeah, I know I'm not exactly the jockey type, but I watched Hoosiers last night, and I like sports now. Here are the biggest stories in sports. All right, so we're going to start off with some NFL news this week. Obviously, with the wild card round upcoming, head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, as well as a few other coaches and players tested positive for COVID-19. They will be out this weekend for the wild card matchup versus the Steelers. Obviously, this is a huge deal. The Browns last year were a 6-10 team. This year, they added five wins to that total, going 11-5. And it's also important to know that Kevin Stefanski is the number three favorite to win the coach of the year in the NFL. So that's a pretty big loss for them. Absolutely. You got to give credit to Kevin Stefanski for leading this Browns team, obviously, to uh, 11 wins in uh, this wildcard matchup. They just literally played last week. However, it was the Steelers, I guess you could say, B team. Um, Big Ben wasn't playing. A lot of their starters weren't playing. So... Um, sadly, I think this is where Cleveland's great season ends, um, but we'll talk about that later in the show. Also in the NFL, lots of criticism from the way that the Philadelphia Eagles handled their situation on Sunday night, putting in Nate Sudfeld instead of Jalen Hurts late in the game against the Washington football team. Yeah, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, lots of social media complaints. Um, I feel like just in the NFL, you win, you try to win the game no matter what. You um, play sadly, to win the game. Yeah, you play to win the game. Yeah, obviously. Um, and so I think it's just Doug Peterson, obviously, uh, was trying to play more for their draft stock. And uh, it's a shame. And all the players on the Eagles are just really angered, or angered, excuse me, um, with the coaching staff and Doug Peterson's especially. And 
you know, Jalen Hurts has to live with like his last game going into the offseason being a loss. So that loss is going to hang over him and his development. And um, they also have to deal with the Carson Wentz drama as well. So the Eagles are not in a great place right now. And yeah, I wonder what's going to happen from uh, here on out with Doug Peterson. Obviously did not have a great season as they, they were expected to make the playoffs and were not able to do that. So you wonder what that's going to mean for his future down the road eventually. He will probably be on a short leash next year. Uh, heading over to the NBA now. Obviously on Wednesday night, Markel Fultz suffers a torn left ACL against the Cavaliers. Sad news for him. Uh, he was averaging 13 points per game on five and a half assists. His efficiency had been down, but it was good to see his numbers up and seeing him playing more confident basketball than he had in the past with all of his injury issues. Yeah, he was really starting to come together, kind of looking more like himself in his college days. And uh, the Magic just, I mean, he's really blossomed in the Magic system. And it's a real shame because, I mean, I feel like he just got out of the slump where everyone was figuring out what's wrong with his shoulder when he was on the 76ers and everyone was calling him a huge bust. And he was finally just getting himself comfortable. Um, so I wish him speedy recovery and we can't wait to see him back on the court yeah just a lot of tough breaks so far with him in his career obviously had that shoulder injury when he was on the 76ers really has just been disappointing for him i would imagine so far and hopefully he can find it and get it back on track after he recovers from this uh that's what we're all hoping for i would assume also in the nba los angeles clippers Kawhi leonard says that he's ready to play in more back-to-back games just kind of weird because more back-to-back games would literally be any back-to-back games since he hasn't played in a back-to-back since April of 2017. Yeah, I mean, Kawhi is the basically the man labeled load management. I mean, he's played maybe 57, 56 games in the past two seasons. I mean, yes, he won Toronto a championship in his one season, um, but obviously came back to bite him this summer in the bubble against Denver when they blew the 3-1 lead. I mean, good for Kawhi. I'm glad he's feeling healthy now. Um, he's wearing a mask and he looks like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Freaking like Jason from the how or the Friday Thirteenth movies, I mean, it looks just terrifying. Um, so I'm, I'm glad he plays more back to back for my fantasy team. This is great because I drafted him, so uh, he'll produce some good numbers. But yeah, the Clippers. I mean, he's got to be the man. Uh, Paul George hasn't really proved to be the number one guy, and I mean, at the end of the day, Kawhi's your two time champion, so he's got to take the team on his back. Also in the NBA this week, uh, Bradley Beal explodes for 60 points against the Philadelphia 76ers, still comes out in a loss, and he is reportedly mad after this. Yeah, I've, I read more into this. Basically, like they asked him, like, oh, like, you dropped a career high, and he's like, I don't care. I've had like my past three career highs have all been in losses. Like They just want to win, because I think they're one in seven uh, after last night or two nights ago. Two and, and six, I think. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Two and six. Um, so obviously not off to their best start. I had really high aspirations for them. Um, I said earlier in some of our episodes, I thought the Wizards were going to make the playoffs, especially with Westbrook and Beal um, combo, but this has not worked out. And uh, Scott Burks has really got to figure out um, how to do winning basketball with his roster. And especially with a competitive guy like Russell Westbrook, I bet he's more than furiated that they're at this bottom of the East Conference. so Yeah, that defense is just abysmal from the Wizards. They're, they're giving up the most points per game at 123. Their defensive rating is at 27th out of 30. So it's got to come somewhere from there. They obviously have a score in Bradley Beal. They have other guys who can score the ball as well with Russell Westbrook, Rui Hashimura. They just got to figure out something on the defensive end to slow teams down even a little bit. Now headed over to college sports. In basketball, the NCAA double tournament will be held entirely in the state of Indiana in a controlled environment. They refrain from using the term bubble. 
most games will be in Indianapolis, but there will be other games in West Lafayette at Purdue and in Bloomington at Indiana University. This is a huge win for the state of Indiana, obviously. You get March Madness all in your state, so lucky for them. But them, them not calling it a bubble is interesting. Maybe they just don't want to be like the NBA, but I really... I'm very interested to see how they have all these teams stay in Indiana and how they handle COVID cases and all that kind of junk. Um, so I heard there was going to be like seven tests that you have to test negative for before each game. I don't know how it works with each game, but just to like be able to compete, I've heard that it's seven negative tests. Yeah. So, so seven tests, I mean, they're obviously doing the most extreme cases, so they don't have any teams get knocked out of the tournament. Um, so as we get closer, we'll see uh, more of it laid out, but, a win for the University of Indiana and also the state of Indiana. Yeah, Lauren was a bit excited about it, but I'm not sure why because <laughs> she won't even be able to go. <laughs> but uh, moving on, Heisman, Devontae Slim Reaper Smith out of Alabama wins it. It's the third wide receiver ever. 22 total touchdowns this year, 1,800 yards, 105 receptions to just two drops. An outstanding year. If he didn't win it this year, then no wide receiver is ever going to win it. Yeah, absolutely. Just watching um, Alabama play this uh, past 12 months and in the game against, uh, I'm drawing a blank. Who did they just play? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Sorry, excuse me. Um, and just every time he caught the ball, just the speed after the catch was absolutely incredible. Um, I love that his nickname's the Slim Reaper. I think that's the coolest nickname ever. <laughs> um, and I'm a huge fan. Him and Matt Jones have an awesome connection. And, uh, I mean, congratulations to him, honestly. Yeah, also interesting, Jalen Waddle may be back for the national championship game Monday, so that would be huge for that offense. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing in another weapon to Alabama just more than they need to defeat Ohio State, so we'll see if that works out. And speaking of the national championship game, that's the talk that we got up next. Let's debate who's going to win the college football playoff national championship game. It's showtime! And now, the main attraction. This is what you've been waiting for. Our biggest discussion of the week. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. It's time for the main event. As stated before, we are going to make the case for each of the two teams to win the national championship game. And then we will finish that off with our final score predictions for the game. Logan will be making the case that Alabama will be the winning team. And I will be making the case that it will be Ohio State. So, Logan, I will let you start with why you think Alabama will win this game. So, I'm going to start with my first point, um, and it just comes down to their offensive line. So, Matt Jones has only been sacked 11 times, okay? Justin Fields, in what, six, six seven games, has been yes. sacked 20 times. If Alabama can protect Matt Jones as well as they have all season against the Ohio State defense, then him and Devontae Smith will have a clear connection, and they will blow this game away. I think Devontae Smith is the key player to watch. I think uh, Najee Harris is going to be a secondary, and maybe he has a career day. But at the end of the day, I think Matt Jones and Devontae Smith, that connection and Matt Jones being protected is going to be the way Alabama wins because I think this is going to be an offensive shootout. I don't think it's going to be a de defensive standoff at all. Uh, for my second point, I think the defense on Alabama needs to put pressure on Trey Sermon. He's been going off these past couple of games um, against Clemson. He set the uh, Big Ten, Ohio State, whatever record for our most rushing yards in the Big Ten National Championship game. Um, and so if they limit Trey Sermon, they put the pressure on Justin Fields. And we saw Justin Fields get a little injured uh, last game against Clemson. And so I think um, if they put the pressure on Justin, then Alabama will walk away with this game. And so my final score prediction is 45-38. to 38. All right, I just, I just want to make one point here that uh, one of the reasons that Justin Fields does get sacked more 
is because he tries so hard to extend plays to the maximum extent that sometimes he ends up extending it too much and makes a play worse, whereas somebody like Mac Jones is more willing to throw the ball away. I think that that's sort of the reason for that. But obviously, Alabama, I think, does have a much better offensive line. Every year they have five NFL guys, it seems, on that line. So certainly see that point. So now for the case of Ohio State, my first point is the rushing attack. That rushing attack is lethal. Trey Sermon, over 500 yards total in the past two games. One of those games was against the number four rushing defense in Northwestern. Uh, He's just been going off, and he looks great. And then you can't look past Justin Fields either in the backfield. He's really good at running the ball as well. Obviously, it's hard to tell how much just looking at the stats Justin Fields has made an impact because sacks do go into account of how many rushing yards you have in a game. But he's obviously a very good runner. And they also may be getting their second leading rusher and Master Teague back, who they did not have against Clemson. He may be coming back. My second reason for Ohio State winning is their improved defense. They held Northwestern to 10 points, none in the second half. And then also the following week, they backed it up with holding Clemson to 28 points. And seven of those points were what I would consider in garbage time after the game was over. Uh, Clemson has a very explosive offense. They have the best quarterback in the country in Trevor Lawrence, the number one draft pick. I think that their defensive's performance has been incredible the past two showings, much improved from what it was the first five or so weeks of the year. My third thing is the prep time that the two teams have had. Uh, Ryan Day is a great offensive mind, and Alabama really has limited film against Ohio State. They have seven games, but I think the past two games, they've been a completely different team than what they were the first five weeks, whereas Alabama, you have 12 games of film to really analyze what their offense does, and how you can limit that. And another thing that you can't look past is a little bit of turmoil, possibly, with Steve Sarkeesian leaving for Texas, possibly going there and seeing what will happen with that on the offensive end. But out of all of that, I do predict that Bama will win 38-34. I think that their offense will end up being too much. But yeah, those are the three reasons why, if Ohio State wins, I think that they will. I, I, I don't like your point about – I mean, I, I know Alabama played 12 games and Ohio State's played seven. Um, but I just think that, like, I think a full season is way more, like, just of a right season and, like, you're more prepared. And not even just necessarily film, but I think just, like, the flow and chemistry of, like, the team, I feel like is more – like, the more games you play, the more comfortable you get. I'm not saying Ohio State doesn't look comfortable. I'm just saying you know, Alabama just looks, like, so fluid regardless of who they're playing. Yes, there's a couple close, close calls with Florida in the SEC championship game, but at the end of the day, like they're all in a huge rhythm, you know? Yeah, I see that, and that's part of the reason why I did pick them as well. Uh, I do think that they will win, but just stating why I think that they could win, that could help them possibly, seeing as Alabama does not know exactly what to expect from their offense. They may not have revealed everything that they have so far. Absolutely. Make sure to comment who won this week's debate on Instagram at leftoutofficial. Now, let's talk about what's happening on the gridiron and the hardwood. Hello, you play to win the game. These are the headlines from around the league and association. (laughs) It's a make or miss league, baby. The road to Super Bowl 55 begins this weekend, and we have arrived at Wild Card Weekend. So let's take a closer look at each of the matchups that will be happening First up, we have the Colts and the Bills facing off. Yeah, so um, obviously the Colts, uh, the Colts slipped in um, barely into the playoffs, and the Bills Mafia gotta give them credit—they are rolling. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs um, are just 
absolutely just destroying defenses. Um, I think just the big thing, I predict the Bills to win, but I think the big thing for the, uh, the Bills is that they can't let the Colts' defense um, slow them down in the first half. Um, they got to get a bit early lead in the first half and just maintain it um, because the Colts have a very much better defense than uh, Buffalo does. And for Buffalo, their defense just has to play above anything they've played this whole entire season. Their defense is definitely taking a step back from last season. Um, and so I predict the Bills winning. It's funny that you mentioned that because since week 11 in their bye week, the Bills defense is giving up just 18 points per game while also having Josh Allen play really well. I think that they're a team that's really elevated themselves. Sean McDermott's really done a great job coaching this. And I think that's why he's one of the favorites to possibly win the Coach of the Year award. Um, And another thing, I'm also picking the Bills. And I think that it's because I just don't trust Phillip Rivers in the playoffs. He's never really been great. And he's got to go on the road to a cold environment in Buffalo. And I don't think that that favors him. So I will also pick the Bills to win this game. Up next, we have the six-seed Browns versus the Steelers. Yeah, I talked about this earlier. Um, obviously, the Browns have a lot of players out just of COVID, and uh, I just think this is where the road ends for Cleveland. Um, again, credit to Kevin Stefanski. did a great job this season, um, but I think the Steelers all have their guys rested and ready, and um, I don't think Cleveland's going to have a chance. So I just chose the Steelers. Yeah, that Steelers defense is just going to overpower Baker Mayfield, the rest of the Browns, into too many mistakes. And without their head coach there, I don't think that they're able to make any of the necessary adjustments that they need to to be able to overcome that challenge. So I will also go with the Steelers. Uh, they're stumbling a little bit, but I think that last week having them not being have having them not play their best players and knowing what Cleveland did do with playing their best players, I think that gives the Steelers a big advantage as well. Next up is the five seated Ravens against the four seated Titans in a matchup of last year's wild card yeah obviously um this is where lamar jackson got stumped and then the entire world was like wow he just totally choked um so obviously lamar's gonna have a chip on his shoulder wanting to um show out and maybe get his first playoff win ever um but i think the titans are just gonna stick to the formula they did last year and uh just give the ball to king henry who just rushed for 2,000 yards in the season um so i'm taking the titans for this one and i just think the ravens after this offseason got to figure out um Lamar's passing game as we talked about in earlier episodes yeah this is going to be a super physical game two teams that really love to run the ball uh the Ravens have had the best rushing offense the past two years and obviously Derrick Henry with the incredible feat of rushing for 2,000 yards I think the big thing that determines the outcome of this game is the lack of the Titans pass rush Whenever Lamar is asked to sit back and throw, he's going to have all days because the Titans, they average just over one sack per game. And I think that this just gives the Ravens a huge leg up on them. So I'm actually going to take the Ravens. Now switching over to the NFC, we have the Bears and the Saints facing off. Why are the Bears in the playoffs? <laughs> that's that's really all I have to say. No offense to Chicago fans out there, but you're it's yeah, I'm taking the Saints. Um Overall, better teams this is Drew Brees is probably last season, um, so he's going to go out. And Drew Brees is just a better quarterback compared to Mitchell Trubisky. And yeah, the Bears just shouldn't have made the playoffs, but sadly, the extended playoffs come back to haunt you. So yeah, I just this doesn't even deserve much to talk about. The Saints are just better in all three phases than the Bears by a marge, wide margin. So taking the Saints, Rams and Seahawks in an NFC West matchup. I, I I just put a question mark, man. I don't know. I don't know which team is going to win. They're playing at Seattle. 
Um, I saw the stats today. They're like they're five and zero when they play at home in the playoffs, apparently, according to Bleacher Report. Um, but this game could go either way. The Rams' defense is incredible, and if Russ is cooking, then it could go to Seattle's way. Um, so I'm kind of in the middle. I really, <laughs> if I had to choose, I'm just going to say Seattle because I'd love to see Russell Wilson just go off and destroy the Rams. Um, and I know you'd appreciate that too, Adam, being a, no longer a Rams fan. Of course. Yeah, I'm. I I gotta go Seahawks here. I just this is not an entirely opinionated base. I just I don't trust Jared Goff to be successful in this spot. I think that Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams have been super dynamic for the Seahawks defense ever since they acquired Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals and Jamal Adams was activated from the injured reserve. Their defense has been back to the level that we expect from a Pete Carroll defense, and that's been super impressive to me. So I predict the Seahawks to win this. Up next, the Bucks versus the Washington football team. Congratulations to the Washington football team for, first of all, winning the NFC East. I know it was hard. I know it was competitive, but <laughs> you made it. But sadly, this is where the road ends. <laughs> I'm not putting any money against uh, Tom Brady, and especially the Buccaneers have been rolling. And, I mean, this entire season, I mean, Tom Brady's 43 years old and has 40 total touchdowns over the regular season. I mean, he's just proven that age doesn't really affect that much for him at least um but maybe it might be a system thing it might be another time to talk about that um <laughs> but i think uh just offensive and defensively the bucks are incredibly uh more talented than the washington football team but again kudos to the washington football team and dallas cowboys you suck and i'm disappointed and that's all i have i think that this looks like a really lopsided game from the outside but i don't know that it is uh, the one thing that Tom Brady has struggled with more than anything else this season is against a great pass rush. What does Washington do better than anything else? Get after the quarterback. That defensive front has been incredible all year, and I think that they're going to disrupt Brady enough to at least make the game interesting. I don't think either side's going to look great in this, and ultimately Alex Smith is just not going to be able to get the job done, so I like the Bucks to squeeze it out. But I think it's going to be a lot uglier than what people think it will be. It's now time to head to the association and talk about the surprise teams early on in the season. So as Logan said, we will be talking about both the good and the bad of the NBA so far and whether or not these teams can continue on the path that they are or if they will fall back to the patterns that we had expected them to. So I'll let you hit it off with your biggest surprise team so far. My biggest surprise is they're five and three. It is the New York Knicks. I don't know how this is possible. I know it's only been eight games, but the Knicks are winning and they're beating quality teams. Julius Randle is playing ridiculous minutes. I think he's averaging 39. Let me double check. Yeah. Averaging 30. 8.6 game or 38.6 minutes a game. So Thibodeau is just working him, but he's doing incredible. He's averaging 23, 12, and 7. That's ridiculous. That's like a huge upgrade from past season. I mean, uh, kudos to Tom Thibodeau because he's just making this team work um, and really grind out their wins. Um, and so I've been really impressed with how New York's really turned it around. Uh, we'll see if they can maintain it, but to be honest, I think we'll have to see. What about you? What's your biggest surprise? My biggest surprise is the Orlando Magic, the eternal mediocrity of the Eastern Conference. Terrence Ross has just been incredible this year, having a career year at 29 years old. He's averaging 21 points per game on really good efficiency as well, 49.5% from the field, 
almost 47% from three. That's incredible to see this kind of an uptick from a 29-year-old who's really just been a six-man bench player his entire career, now exploding like this, still coming off the bench, but he's been incredible so far. Um, I really don't think that they can continue this unless Aaron Gordon starts to better his play than he has so far this season. He's had a tough season so far. But if they are able to do that, then I think that they could potentially keep this up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so let's hear your biggest bust, Adam. My biggest bust is the Toronto Raptors. I don't know what has happened to them. With Nick Nurse, you expected the team to be good. I mean, there is expected to be a dip from losing Gasol and Ibaka, but they replaced that with Aaron Baines, which I thought was a quality addition to the team and should have been enough to keep them competitive with those losses. But just Pascal Siakam has just been bad. He's been yeah. inefficient, and they've got to figure out something there. Because, I mean, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi, they've all been playing well. It's just they don't have that star that they can rely on this year, it feels like. Yeah, my uh, my, my biggest bust has been the Raptors as well. Um, and so just looking at Pascal Siakam's numbers, he's averaging 20 points a game, three and a half assists per game. He's shooting 29% from three and shooting 43% from the field which that is horrendous if you're supposed to be the star player. And the Raptors have always had a good winning culture these past couple of years. Um, and so I think Siakam, he's played terrible ever since the bubble started and ended. Um, and so I think it might be a confidence thing, but I mean, they're one in six. No, no one projected that to happen. I mean, the Knicks have a better record than the Raptors. If you would have told me that two months ago, I would have said you're stupid. So I just... I don't think I think they may be able to turn around if Siakam starts balling again. Um, if not, I mean, this might be a year the Raptors don't make the playoffs. And I mean, we're just seven games in, but to go one in six—that's that's bad. That's ugly. And so I mean, it's very worrisome. I think they turn it around, but this is just this is a bad start for them. Absolute nightmare. So you wonder where they go from here. So now it's time to transition from the pros to the collegiate level in the college rundown. Now maybe it's just me, but college was very confusing times. It's the College Rundown, where we break down all the important stories in college football and basketball from this week. With the championship game being this upcoming Monday and a lot of criticism of the four teams that were selected, as well as the committee, we're going to talk a bit more about what the college football playoff should look like going forward. So, Adam, first question is, should the college football playoff be expanded? I think ultimately, yes. It's I Part of me doesn't want to see it. Part of me does. I've switched a lot more to pro expansion than I have been in the past. I used to be super against it. But I think that now, with how this season went, I don't think that there's much of a choice other than to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a huge pro of expansion is obviously get more teams who have been complaining to get a chance to prove themselves in the playoffs. And then obviously if they perform good, then like, okay, well, I'm glad we expanded. If they just get blown out, then like we have our answer. I think a big negative of the expansion is um, I think view like ratings are a huge thing for obviously college football. And um, I feel like if they expand to eight teams, we might have like a Cincinnati make it or kind of those non-popular um, conference teams. And I feel like not a lot of viewers financially, I guess you could say. Um, what do you think is what do you think are pros and cons of like the current four team system that we have? So I think some of the pros are that the games are more competitive, obviously with one versus four and two versus three. At least they're designed to be that way. 
Sometimes they don't turn out that way, as was this year ultimately. But I also think that the regular season matters a little bit more. Right now, you can't slip up more than once in the regular season. There's never been a two-loss team make it to the playoff, and so you know that the pressure's on you. If you lose even once, that you cannot lose again. And also, you have to win your conference championship now, for the most part, it seems like. Some of the cons, though, of the system is just the committee is terrible. They're so inconsistent with how they pick teams, how they justify teams. It's just really bad for the sport. And another is that it's really turned into Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, plus what other team is going to be the most competitive that year. And it's just, it's really flawed, and it's really put a power grip from those three teams on college football and ruined it a little bit for a lot of the other teams around the country. Yeah, and to your point about just the big three, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, I mean, it just, it ruins recruiting. I mean, at the end of the day, like, your top 100 recruits are all going to, I mean, those three schools. And yeah, like we said, like number four is basically whoever has like the best season wins like a, like a big 12 championship, I guess, maybe which has been the past couple of years. Um, and I just, I think it's, I'm just frustrated with the committee voting on more of like a narrative. I just for the fourth spot, I think the fourth spot is a narrative. Would you say? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, obviously this year with Clemson finally playing in a conference and they got a really established schedule, they sort of wanted to put them in. And I mean, it's just, it's confusing how they come to some of the decisions that they do. And I think they could do a lot better job. And so that's one of the things that I also want to talk about is how can we improve this committee? And so my ideas was either one, you have to get rid of it or two, you have to establish concrete guidelines. That's going to say, how are we going to see these teams? Because how we're doing it right now off of this subjective system, it does not work. We need more objective ways to rank these teams. Yeah, I think that's the first thing I wrote. I said have more objective rules to right way to select them because, I mean, not to be biased, but like I was frustrated. A&M obviously didn't make it um, in place of Notre Dame. Um, I just like I just like want to know like what was their thought process at the end of the day? Um, so I think SEC is the best conference in the college football. Um, and I think that putting Notre Dame in after they just lost is just very dumb, but obviously the past is the past. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see them just, I like to see some concrete rules or I just like to see a, a better explanation if they don't do rules. I like to see if the main guy at the committee say, Hey, this is what we actually, blah, 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 these, blah, 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 like stuff like that. Um, but no, all we get is, and number four is Notre Dame. And then that's it. And then the guys on TV just talk about it for two hours. Yeah. And they bring on the guy, but then their justification is always just, well, we thought this team was better. Yeah. Well, obviously, that's why you put them there. No wonder you you thought they were better because you put them there. Tell us why you thought they were better. It's it's very frustrating as a fan. And so looking at past that, the question is how much expansion should there be going forward? I was uh I was juggling this. I was thinking I think 8 team is good. Um but then again, I was like I don't know if it's going to be as competitive as like those last two seeds are going to be your two lost teams. Um or maybe your uh, undefeated non-big five conference teams um so i said six yeah i said six but i don't know how that's really gonna work to be honest but i don't know i think eight is just too much maybe but that's just me i actually agree i went with six as well and i think a part of that a group of five team has to be included just to like give them a fair shot but also another thing that i've seen talked about a lot is that all conference champions should be given an automatic bid into the playoff. And I think that's an absolutely ridiculous idea because that's just saying then you can throw four cupcakes in and there's going to be no penalty to you. We talk about a lot of the SEC teams, how they always play a cupcake non-conference schedule, but they usually play like one or two really good teams on that. 
And so with motivation to just have to win your conference championship, there's really no reason that you would have to play an out-of-season schedule. And so I think that it's important that we don't just Mm -hmm. automatically guarantee that these conference champions get to go. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we wrap up this week's show talking about the head coaching vacancies around the NFL. It's been a blast, but it's almost time to go. We wrap up this week with the home stretch. Around the lead this previous Monday is known as Black Monday, or also known as when underperforming NFL head coaches basically get the boot from the team. So we're going to talk about which of the available jobs are the most appealing to coach for. Yeah, so we're going to go from our least desirable to most desirable, going with the Jaguars, Jets, Falcons, Chargers, Texans, and Lions. So I'll let you start off. Who is your least desirable job right now? The Jets. I would not want to be – I don't care if you have the setting pick. They're a horrible franchise, mismanaged. Um, they've lost – they've traded away all their players. I mean, Sam Darnold, like, who knows? They're probably going to draft Justin Fields at number two, if I suggest, and trade Sam Darnold. Um, but they just need to implode the organization and start over. And whoever coaches the Jets next – I wish you good luck, and I hope you don't get out after two seasons. So I'd love to see you turn around, but I have no desire would ever want to go coach there. Mine is the Lions. So looking at what the Lions have going forward, they have all their draft picks this year, but they have just $10 million in cap space, and really that's about it. They don't have any pieces on their current roster that you can say, that's a player who we want to build around. The best asset that they have right now is TJ Hawkinson, and even him, I mean... He's not like a franchise cornerstone guy, I would say. He's a great player, obviously, but I don't know if he's franchise cornerstone quality. And so, I mean, I just, I don't know what else you have there other than those two things. And so you got to really hope to hit on a draft pick. Right, for sure. Uh, Number five, or the fifth worst, I guess you could say, um, I put the Lions. Um, Kind of the same reasons you were saying, but they have Matt Stafford, and I I think... I mean, whoever coaches the Lions, either they're going to continue to try to play through Matt Stafford or maybe they trade Matt Stafford and get some more assets, but not a situation you want to be in. Uh, As you said earlier, they only have $10 in cap space, so really hands are tied for the most part. My number five team is the Texans, and that's because their only positive right now is Deshaun Watson, and even then, you don't know what he's going to be like, obviously, with a lot of the talk that has happened lately. He's voiced a lot of frustrations with how the GM process went, and so that's a really questionable situation there. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen going forward. They don't have their first or second round pick this year. They traded both of those away. And so that's just a really tough situation for the Texans, I think, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number four, I put uh, the Texans were kind of just like kind of laddering this thing. <laughs> but yeah, I put the Texans. Deshaun Watson, obviously your franchise cornerstone's not happy with you right now. And you're suffering from Bill O'Brien's terrible management of the team. Uh, obviously having no draft picks. Um, and so like, if your franchise cornerstone wants out, then <laughs> I mean... Who wants to go coach there? Yeah. You know? And I saw this clip of J.J. Watts like apologizing to Sean Watson for losing, like not even making the playoffs. Like we should have, a, he said like we should have 11 wins this season. You know, like obviously the culture there is not great. So they got to figure it out. Either Watson demands a trade because that's what the leads are coming to where players just get to demand where they go or they just deal with what they have. My fourth best team is the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they have all their picks in this upcoming draft. They do have negative cap space, but they will probably trade the big contract of Julio Jones away to free up some of that and hopefully get some picks back for that. And then they also have Calvin Ridley, who's a great receiving threat. I just think that they have more there than some of the other places. And they also have the number four pick, so they could hopefully draft the replacement to Deshaun Watson. 
I think that that would be my fourth most desirable. Yeah, and for my uh, my third most desirable, I put the Jaguars. Um, even though they have the number one pick and they'll probably draft Trevor Lawrence, um, I just think that just I don't really trust the culture and just they've had very lackluster seasons and they don't have really any all stars honestly. Um, as Jalen Ramsey got traded away and it's not really appealing to me. My number three is the Jets. They have two first round picks, three picks on the second day. And they have $73 million in cap space. In addition to already having a franchise cornerstone left tackle in Makai Becton, who looked absolutely wonderful his rookie season. And so I think that you just have a lot to build around there. Uh, you're either going to be able to trade away the second pick or trade away Sam Darnold. From that, you're going to get good draft capital with that as well. And so I think that you have a lot to build off of there. You're not really with your hands tied like you were with the first three jobs that i had listed yeah number two i put the falcons uh just because you can trade julio jones or even matt ryan and get some great assets for that and i think the falcons are an okay organization they're known for choking <laughs> the previous season sadly um but i think that whoever gets them can change that culture and hopefully get atlanta some more wins my number two job is the jaguars like the new york jets they also have two first round picks and they have two, or they have three picks on day two as well. They have $81 million in cap space, and they're going to have the best quarterback prospects since Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence. So I would love to, absolutely love to go into that. I think that it's going to be a great situation. They're going to have a lot of potential to really get things done in Jacksonville finally. And lastly, number one, I put the Chargers. I think um, they found their franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert this season, and they have plenty of stars on both sides. I and mean, you got Keen Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams on the offensive side, along with Justin Herbert. And then on defense, you got Joey Bosa, Derwin James. I mean, all these guys are, are in, uh, Melvin Ingram, I believe. Yes. yes. Just some great players, still young. I mean, the Chargers have a great team. So the next coach comes in, um, it's just got to learn from Anthony Lynn. And when they get out early, don't blow uh, the lead. Just kind of sustain it and keep firing. But yeah, I think that's the most attractive spot yeah i think most people agree with you i do in addition to all the stuff that you just mentioned they also have all their picks in the upcoming draft they have 30 million dollars in cap space so they're gonna have an improved roster even from this last year and i think that anthony lynn may have been the worst head coach that was fired and so i think that that really puts a lot of promise towards their future and obviously knowing that you have a franchise quarterback or at least what looks like one in justin herbert is more valuable than even ha get the potential to get Trevor Lawrence. So that is somewhere where I would agree with you. Surprising. <laughs> now it's time for us to tell you what probably will not happen this week. General Kenobi, you are a bold one. All right, so what is your bold prediction this week, Logan? All right, so uh, the Mavericks are 4-4. Four and four. And so our next five games, we're playing the Pelicans, Magic, Pelicans again, um, the Phoenix again, and then... That was five. Yeah, that was five. So my bold prediction of the week is that we're going to win five straight. And also that Willie Cauley-Stein is going to get inserted into the starting lineup over Dwight Powell. Um, these past couple games, when Willie Cauley-Stein has been starting or played more minutes than Dwight, we've played way better. And Luca has gone off, averaging triple doubles, 30-plus points, all that kind of stuff. So I think he's really good for the team and defensively a lot better. But yeah, that's, that's what I got. What about you, Adam? Let's hear your blasphemy. Mine is uh, going into wild card weekend. I think that Chase Young does get Tom Brady. He gets all of them. He gets two sacks on the weekend and is involved in forcing a turnover from Brady. Uh, young man's been talking it up this week. He's doubled down on it. And I think that 
him in addition to all the other pass rushers that they have they're able to disrupt Tom Brady a little bit as I had said before and make it an ugly game at least make it competitive hopefully Chase Young doesn't injure the goat but you never know he's that's a big man (laughs) that's a bad man that's all I'll say about that all right what are you thinking about this week yeah so obviously it's a new year I'm excited for the left out the podcast hoping 2020 is a way better year than 2020 um obviously in life overall but also in sports um and all I'm going to say is I read today that the NBA expansion team, the Seattle Supersonics, could be coming. And Seattle fans, get excited. <laughs> I love your jerseys. And I hope the Seattle Supersonics become a team again. Uh, I think it'd be really awesome for the NBA. And yeah, that's all I have. All right. Mine is uh, also li- in relation to this new year. Obviously, hoping for big things from left out. Mine is asking to all of our listeners all of family, friends, everybody who's listening out there, please help us out and share this podcast around with anybody who you think might like it. Uh, That's the most effective way that we can grow this thing and hopefully reach out to as many people as we can. So just keep helping us out and sharing it. We're going to hopefully keep on producing good content for everyone and continue on this grind. Absolutely. And always comment on our uh, Instagram and Twitter and let us know what we can improve on or what you liked. And that's all we have for this week. We will see you next week when we spew some more nonsense.